Talk Radio with the best host in the biz. Sports Talk Radio every weekend night with Princess Cooper. Never had it so good radio now on 101.1 and it's 24-7 the world's best radio station. In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. Deshaies is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshaies has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. Deshaies. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust, vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities. You will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtd at gmail.com. This is James T. Deshay, the host of Talk, Love, and Reflections, brought to you by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. As always, uh, every other Saturday, we were here with uh, Mr. Higgins to talk about the kinds of things that impact people of color and today is no different. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Higgins, what is it that you have on the agenda for us today? Well, I'm good, good evening, Mr. Deshay. Um, this evening we're going to discuss, you know, um, patronage of black businesses um, and the lack of of how we patronize each other and how this, um, this stifling of economic growth actually prevents us from um, – Acquiescing to um, other levels in society, so that's that's going to be the topic for today. Uh, Mr. Higgins, I think you are so right. It is past time for us to focus on a way that we determine where our money goes and to what extent. I have to be honest with you. Um, I really spend a lot of time uh, working and using. Uh, African-American business people. Uh, my yard mm-hmm. man is an African-American. Uh, my handyman, who I call on a regular basis, 
is an African-American. Um, the young lady who comes over and tries to keep my room in, in decent shape is an African-American. Uh, so I utilize a lot of African-American services, but I know I can step it up a little bit. I order a lot of different things, and it would be good for me to do some research and see if some of the things that I order on a regular basis can be ordered from African-American businesses. Uh, but that takes a little effort on my time, and that should be something that all of us put a little effort in because it can make a lot of difference to African-American businesses if we try to kind of control our spending uh, in a way that directed towards people of color. So I don't have a problem with all with, I, with doing that. What do you think is the problem with trying to get Americans to think in that with most African Americans or people of color to think in that fashion? Well, that you know, um, one of the things that we have to understand is that much of what we're going through um, is something that we've been going through as a people. You know, um, um, what we what we see experience now, there's nothing new, and um, and, and the thing about it is, is that um, is that um, that we have to go back to the past to start understanding what's going on in the present. So, one of the things um, that Carter G. Woodson, the father of Black History Month. He explained in his book, um, Miseducation of the Negro, on page 38, chapter chapter 5, The Failure to Learn to Make a Living. He said, the greatest indictment of such education as the Negroes have received, how is it, however, is that they have thereby learned little as to making a living. And this has not changed, not not even in the least. We have a man named Claude Anderson, Claude Anderson who speaks extensively on this subject. So another, another quote from the passage is that, um, from Dr. Dr. Carter G. Wilson's book, says the, the Negroes, therefore, like all other oppressed people, must learn to do the so-called impossible. The uneducated Negro businessman, however, is actually at work doing the very things which the miseducated Negro has been taught to believe he can, cannot be done. This much handicapped Negro businessman could do better if he could have some assistance. But our schools are turning out men who do as much to impede the progress of the Negro in business as they do to help them. The trouble that is that they do not think for themselves. If the highly educated Negro would forget most of the untried theories taught him in school, if he would see through the propaganda which has been instilled into his mind under the pretext of education, if he would fall in love with his own people and begin to sacrifice for their uplift, if the highly educated Negro will do these things, he can solve some of the problems now confronting the race. And these, see, these things that um, we have to understand are many of the reasons that impede us with business now. As a group of people, one of the biggest problems is that we don't trust each other. You know, we lack trust in each other. We lack confidence in each other. We lack confidence in each other. Never mind talking about a business. We lack confidence in each other even when we start talking about anything positive. If we start talking anything more positive in our community, we always automatically have someone who's going to shoot it down or someone who's going to tell us how to do it better. 
never, never one says, says I'm going to assist you. You know, we um we run to the corporate level for everything in terms about about what we need, and the corporate level gives nothing back to our community. You know, our, our um our neighborhoods used to be um locations for small businesses, lots of mom and pop shops to service the community the things we need, locksmiths, hardware stores, convenience stores, um pharmacies and things of this nature. You know, we start we starting to see that disappear and it all become corporate America. Number Walgreens, Starbucks and Subways and things of that nature. So we're watching our businesses evaporate in front of us and we're participating in, in participating in our own demise. And these places are being franchised by people who are not even who aren't, aren't like us, who aren't culturally sensitive to us, and who basically don't have our good interests at, in, 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 at hand. So we, as a group of people, have to understand that in the black community, we earned our we earned dollars. We bring it in our community. We have to do like you, done, Mr. Deshay, and make sure that the dollars that we earn. When we patronize, we spend that dollars back with people who look like us because this is how we effectively reduce crime. You reduce crime by creating opportunity. So we we want to put our money to where our mouth is, and we want to see what we're doing. We want to see a change in our community. We start there. There's plenty of stories about young people in the community. I was just told a story a week about a young man who, who started out um, working for a moving company and decided to go off, off on his own. And start his own moving company. We need to patronize that young man. There's a lot of young people, a lot of people in our community are do, doing many things, but we won't patronize them. And this is and this is something that to stop. And the thing about it is, is that, um, you know, many times we'll put high expectations on our people. Many times, and it comes with psych- psychological development. You know, uh, unfortunately, we're conditioned by the time we're four, four or five years old. To believe that black is bad and, black, and white is good, and, and um, this has been proven in doll test on um, Brown versus Board of Education it was repeated in um, in the early 2000s, and it was the same results. So you know we have to understand that psychologically that you know what I'm saying that we don't really respect each other, trust each other, admire each other, and that and if we if we want to be able to build our our communities up, we have this is what we have to do. Hey, but um. There's one thing I want to share with you because it, it's kind of odd that we we do these things because um, there is a mindset. I don't care where you go, there's still certain businesses in the black community that thrive. And if those businesses mm-hmm. can thrive, then we need to work on the other kind of businesses. And what I mean by that mm-hmm. is the barbershop and the black salon thrive. Black women right. are not going to go to white people to do their hair. And we, right. when we die, we're not going to go to to white uh, people to bury us. So if we can right. do it in those two areas, certainly we can change our mindsets related in doing it in other areas. And so we just have right. to get the mindset that we have about that. Uh, you would never, and, and I, again, I know that I have been going to the same barber most of my life, uh, went, switched maybe once or twice, and went right back. And so uh, right. we're real loyal to, to to the people who do our hair and uh, those who own funeral homes. And uh, so we just have to learn to have that same kind of commitment in other areas because, like you say, when you enrich those people, 
those people are more likely going to do something in the black community. And I can give you a another uh, statement too. I live on a lake front, and I my, mm-hmm. I live on a property that has been in the Deshay family uh, since 1970, and we live on a mm-hmm. very large lake, and it's surrounded by African Americans. But one of mm-hmm. my lake neighbors owns about five McDonald's, and he could live anywhere he wants to, but he lives in the heart of the black community on a lake surrounded by African-Americans. And so, you know, there are people, despite their wealth, who still remain in the black community. We have a judge who recently retired who built his home in the black community. Uh, So there are people who are willing to build nice homes in the black community. I have a neighbor down the street from me who built a uh, half-million-dollar house in the black community during the time when – when there was a, a downfall in the market. Uh, so there are people who are willing to to, to build in, in the black community and live in the black community despite the fact that they have been successful. But we have to have more of those kinds of people. Uh, it is real prevalent in uh, Atlanta where you have a lot of professional uh, African-American neighborhoods where very successful black people live. So we need to model that behavior and work on changing the mindset and people being more in control of their money and directing their money to people who are more like them. Uh, that's not racist. That's just doing what's in your best interest. Exactly. I mean, the fact that um, one of the, one of the things that when we say when we know when we move out the black community and, you know, we're looking for better. Right, and that's kind of like a um an oxymoron, so to speak, for the simple fact is that I'm from Harlem, and Harlem um has one of the most nefarious monikers in terms of about you know places to live Harlem had most 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 um dilapidated per capita per square block you know. Whole blocks, whole neighborhoods, you know, abandoned buildings and things of that nature. This entire community has been built back up. And the people, the Harlem residents are still there. But the Harlem residents aren't the people who are building it back up. Other people have invested their money, their time, and have come to live in Harlem. So the nefarious moniker in terms of how bad and wretched these communities are is a farce because other groups of people who would actually be the target are actually moving to our communities. So we have to realize that this this um, escapism from the African American community. This is you know what I'm saying. We have like you said, be um, build better African communities or build the African communities that we live in to today. Live in today, even in Harlem, even when it was in the height of its crunk criminality. There were still parts of the community that thrived. There were still neighborhoods in the community that were quiet. There were still um developments in the community no matter no, and, and, and um and if you're from the community you know about these developments. They just are not the ones that make the six o'clock news. You know what I mean? There was developments called the Riverton, the Riverbend, the Delanor, 
Drivers Row, the Lennox Terrace, just to name a few. These these places are, are never never heard of on the news. So anything bad happening there because the black the black people that live in in, in those developments or or, or or those building developments because they don't consider those projects. They have happen to have a you know, high income bracket. Some of these developments are right across the street from one of the most notorious housing projects in Harlem. So economics plays a direct effect on behavior. But we don't have to move out our communities in terms of our deeming success. You know, we move out our communities and we where we're powerful and we're moving to other communities where we're less powerful. We don't have as much power. Where so you know what I mean? We're, that's one of the reasons why our power is fleeting because our whole concept of success is moving out of the neighborhood. You know what I mean? When our concept of success is supposed to be creating a barrier so no one can take over our neighborhood. And when we have that kind of concept, then we'll be able to strengthen our communities. And I think that we can be proud of our communities by coming together and making decisions uh, that are going to be lasting in our community. There's nothing wrong with um, making sure your communities uh, have safeguards uh, both to protect people from criminals and to protect uh, the community from decay. Uh, so you have to try to do what is in the best interest of the community to assure its success. Uh, I'm right down the street from a, a public housing, just like you say, Right around the corner from my house, which uh, we've had, we have several new homes and old homes that have been remodeled uh, 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 because of aging. And we're right around the corner from public housing. But public housing has changed some of their rules uh, to eliminate some of the criminal uh, behavior and some of the things that they will not allow. So a lot of times people are aware that. If you do uh, one thing, you can be asked to leave. And uh, they they now got central air and heat in the public housing. Uh, they they um, require them to, uh, you know, the the uh, public housing people are putting in uh, niceties. And, and now you have a mixed public housing where back in the day, public housing just used to be uh, you'd have white public housing and black public housing. Now you have to accept public housing as it comes. And so it is now a mixed community, and it is a, a much better neighbor than it has ever been. Well, but like I said, Mr. Deshay, you know, you know, one thing when we look at communities is nothing happens by accident. It's this thing called urban planning. Urban planning determines where the cemetery is going to be, where the schools want to be, where the shopping area is going to be, where the municipal areas are going to be. So every city is laid out strategically in terms of functionality. You know what I mean? Housing, including, and so on and so forth. So what happens is is that, you know, um, housing projects in themselves initially were for the people who were on a, on a move up, on an up and coming. You know, in the gray area of federal funding, eventually they became places of confine and they held people there for for, um, for generation after generation. But prior to that, but prior to that, um, the projects was, you know, 
um was a, was a place where people who were um uh, white collar blue collar lived there you know they received the same amenities you know um free light um free gas um and eventually you know and it was well known especially especially in my, in my community it was well known that if you lived in the projects that you know especially growing up in the 70s, that you were a little bit better off than living in the tenement buildings. You know what I mean? You know, living in the tenements and the, and the apartment buildings were more wretched. So um, the, the fact that these places eventually became cesspools of menagerie with people, you know, were violent and this, that, and other, is not caught by coincidence. You know, and we have to speak when we look at you know what's you know preventing our communities aggregate, and that we want our communities to be strong and to be places of of places institutions of 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 edification. Then what what happens is is that you know it starts with education. Our children are are, are behaving in manners the way they're behaving. Why? Because the people who are teaching them don't have anything invested in them. They don't teach them any vocational um, training. They don't teach them any wood shop, um, 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 home economics. None of these things are taught in school anymore. These are vital resources that kids need to be taught, especially if you take them away from their parents for eight hours a day. So what happens is, is that, you know, the, the lack of education uh, prevents us to put people, young people in our community who have the kind of mindset who should belong in the MIT, who don't belong just sitting in the classroom learning their ABCs, who belong in learning engineering and physics and things of this nature. See, this void is being filled by immigrants. This void is being filled by other people from countries who are being given this training. We have to understand that, that this this lapse in our community is not accidental and that, you know what I'm saying, and we have to really roll up our sleeves and do something about it. You know what I mean? This is this is very important. You know, Marcus Garvey said that it's going to have to be one generation that wear overalls, so that the next generation can wear suits. So the thing about it is, is that this is this is what we this is this is what we have to do. And uh, to repeat a quote from Carter G. Woodson again, he says, "As a welder has another has well said, to handicap a student by teaching him that his black face is a curse." and that his struggle to change his condition is hopeless, is the worst sort of lynching. It kills one's aspiration and dooms him to vagabondage and crime. If It is strange, then, that the friends of truth and promoters of freedom have not risen up against the present propaganda in the schools and crushed it. This crusade is much more important than the anti-lynching movement, because there would be no anti-lynching if it didn't start in the schoolroom. Why not exploit, enslave, or exterminate a class that everybody is taught to regard as inferior? Now, the thing about it is, is that when you say, well, they don't see it this way and this, you know, it's subtle ways of instituting thought into, into groups of people about how to look at people. One way they do it is through George, Animal, George Orwell's Animal Farm. Most people who go through school, they understand that. They understand that concept, and these is one of the concepts that they have given us in efforts for us to um to the um to despise ourselves. And and another thing that's still relevant for Mr. Carter G. Woodson's book is this. He says, these untrained youths, thinking nothing of taking up moonshining, gambling, and racketeering as occupations, 
and they find great joy in smoking, drinking, and fornications as diversion. They cannot accept the old ideas, and they don't understand the new. Now, this is this is still uh, this is still what's going on with our youth in 2018, and this book was written in 1933. So, and this all promotes the condition of why we will support our businesses. This all promotes the condition of why. Another thing is we hate to see someone who looks like us doing well. We hate to see to help someone who who looks like us do, who will magically soon do better than us. So this is another reason why we won't patronize each other. I think that's the attitude we have to fight against. We have to fight against the attitude that somehow or another that if one of our brothers is has a legitimate business and somehow or another it, it is it, it goes against us if we don't help them or if we help them to do well. And that's why I'm saying we help our barber to do well. We help the young lady who has a salon to do well and without a problem. So we need to be able to switch and change and uh, support other people. Uh, I think we support our black insurance men. Uh, and so I think we just need to, to uh, get in the mindset, uh, get to some momentum together related to um, helping these people in other businesses to thrive and be their their support. Uh, there's nothing wrong with us controlling our money and where it goes. And we have to hold, once we work with these people, we have to hold them uh, accountable for the work that they give us. Uh, let's take a short break. We're uh, 30 minutes into the program. We're going to take a short break and come back and allow our uh, call, uh, people who call in to have some uh, questions, ask some questions, or make some statements.
We, we have to change the mindset of those in the black community so they cater to African-American businesses, and we spend our money with people who are willing to, to, to invest in our community. Are you there, Reverend Smith? Cheryl, what, what are your thoughts about this issue where we have to change our mindset related to uh, African Americans spending money with business people in the black community so that money can come back. Good evening, and how's everyone doing this evening? You know, we do. Um, I, I hear so many of us say that's the reason why they always come up with a reason why they don't want to um, give each other business. And so they even give the opportunity. You know, I've heard um, people say once they do business with someone, you know, um, each other. See, that's why I don't like to deal with our people. That phrase I hear so constantly. But meanwhile, 
you go into doing business with them with that mindset. But you don't mind giving your business to a, a foreigner who follows you around the store, who throws your change on the counter, who talks any old kind of way about you. When you walk out that store, you don't never say, see, that's why I don't like to give them my business. Or even when you go to the nail salon. You know, I haven't heard that about another race, but I always hear it within our own. See, that's why I don't like to um, do business with us. So we look for something in doing business instead of giving each other the opportunity. And not only that, when we do, we're looking for something. We're looking for a discount. We're looking for something that we won't get from when we patronize another business. So, you know, to me, it's the mindset to begin to change that. Because in every, you know, when we deal with business with anybody, there can always be something that occur, you know, that is may not be positive every single time. But we don't give each other the opportunity to fix that right. You know, we jump up and we start um, talking about each other. So, yeah, we definitely do. We definitely do have to um, change our mindset and change our actions when it comes to doing business with each other. And, you know, and you have to remain focused when it comes to uh, trying to keep your money in the hands of people like yourself. I know that I have a black auto mechanic, and I I call people or tell people about how good his business is, and I just like the fact that he'll come pick my car up. He, he fixes my car, and he'll bring my car back. And so I just love his customer service. And so, you know, we have to be willing to work with people or find people who will treat us the way we want to be treated. I know for a fact there are people who are able to give me the kind of service that I want, and people of color can give me that kind of service. So, Mr. Higgins, we have to be willing, like Cheryl says, not just to throw after one bad experience, just throw away uh, the tea when it comes to uh, African Americans. You just have to look and find the person who gives you the kind of service that you want and not want more from them than you would ask from anybody else. Exactly. I agree with him 100%. That is 100% facts. You know, um, you know, we have to, we have to um, not look for deals and favors and try to lowball, you know, African-Americans when they have a business, you know, like we don't do anybody else. We don't do it to Nike. You know, we don't do it to, um, you know, to um, iPhone and Android. So, you know, we don't need to do it to them. And, um, you know, and it's 100% correct. You know, we have to start respecting each other. And it starts there. We have to start looking at each other as as someone being worthy. You know, like you said, certain places will go, like you said, to the funeral home, barbershop, the church, we will go there. But, you know, other places, you know, we won't go to ourselves, you know, to utilize someone who looks like us 
to, to provide a service. And this is this is a crime in itself. Uh, D, uh, what is your thoughts about this? I mean, you are a photographer, and uh, you know that what your skills are and the kind of service that you're willing to give people. Um, have you had difficulty with uh, marketing your service uh, to, the, to the degree that you want to, or have people been receptive uh, to you and the service that you're offering? Well, thank you, James, for a, a good topic. And, Mr. Higgins, uh, nice to always have you on the air. And hello to everybody yeah. else. Um, yeah, James, you know, um, times have changed uh, even with uh, without the help of Donald Trump and, and his uh, antics and the environment that, that his administration and campaign and everything has created. Times have changed. Um, you know, Ms. Cheryl said, said it correctly. Um, uh, when we try to cater to our own community, um, the community in return uh, almost holds your expectations hostage. Uh, in knowing uh-huh. that, and uh, knowing that you know we are your base, uh, we are your primary market, and 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 we will do business with you before the other people will. But in that uh-huh. also. We think that we deserve a discount. Mm-hmm. So see, that that's the hostage taken right there. So, mm-hmm. uh, and so, I, and that posed a great question because I'm I was under the impression that that's that's only the case in certain demographics. But uh, if Miss Cheryl says it's the case of where she is, and if Miss Kathy will acknowledge it, it will it will be the case where she is out in California. Then that's uh, that's our community across the board that would expect us to give them some kind of some kind of uh, leniency because we're doing business with them. But uh, mm-hmm. to, to, to the to the to your point, James, I think it's important. Like you say, we have a hard enough time just staying focused on how we're supposed to treat one another. Um, I think our our, our greatest dilemma is uh, is a beta, is a basic attitude on how we view one another, uh, the, the support that we seem to. So, uh, Mister Hinton has said some time ago that uh, we still have to support uh, our younger youth in, in the businesses that they're trying to do. Uh, now, and of course, the younger the younger generation, the business that they pretty much thrive in is. In uh, hip hop music, and, uh-huh. uh, and it, it, it we're supposed to support an element that seems to do more harm than good. Uh-huh. There seems like to be a little bit of a conflict, a conflict of interest. But and my last thing I want to say, uh, you know, in this environment, the Donald Trump environment, and the environment that he's created, uh, can we expect the educational system to honestly? Put forth a, uh, an optimum effort in in the education of our youth going forward, as they did in the past. And is that is that something that we we can expect for them to do in the future? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate, Nate, what is your thoughts uh, in the state of Florida, and how do you think we are operating here? Uh, I know for a fact. I don't even have to ask you, but you can tell me anyway. I know that. Uh, we we have predominant 
funeral home directors that are African Americans almost in every community you go you go to, and uh, the salons and the barbershops are going to thrive almost everywhere you go in the black community. Uh, so why can't we uh, turn that into uh, our electricians, uh, our uh, construction workers, and um, our plumbers? Uh, why can't they thrive in our black community? I think one, I think one of the things we got to stop doing, and um, take it back after everybody's saying is, there's a lot of jealousy out there. There's a lot of jealousy with um, black-owned businesses and everything. And I think a part of that is that other African-Americans have tried to own businesses and have failed, and they have it in their mindset. They don't want to support uh, somebody who is successful. Um, when I retired out of the military, um, I drove trucks for uh, two years over the road, and I desire to have um, uh, have my own truck, and I still desire that. And I think one of the worst things we can do is sometimes we can tell the wrong people our dreams, and um, because there's a lot yeah, of dream yeah. crushes out there. I mean, they if, if they can't do it, they don't want to see you do it, and mm-hmm. and they, and you know it's like and we don't and that's a trust issue. Like you said, how can which is kind of silly. How can I trust a man to cut my hair, but I can't trust a, I can't mm-hmm. trust a black man to come in my house and and, right. and, 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 and wire my house or what you call it because I did cable for a while too. And if I can learn a skill set, I want people to trust my skill set. Should I not give out the same respect and give that brother or sister an opportunity? And that's the thing about it. We have that uh, that crab in the bucket mentality. We don't want to give nobody an opportunity. But as soon as somebody, as soon as Nate Nate own a business, just like Miss Cheryl said, like everybody else said, they want a discount. They feel entitled. Don't realize mm-hmm. what that individual had to go through to get those business licenses, to get that business right. loan, he had to get the business loan, or what kind of contract they had to drum up, or how much of a loss that they took before business started booming. So we don't want to take the time to research anything and see what it is, what it what it what it takes to mm-hmm. uh, to get that business off off the ground, and then at the same time, we're not teaching our kids to have respect for black businesses. We're not teaching our kids the structure to try to even own your own business one day. We're not teaching them that. We, 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 we're not teaching – there's nothing wrong with having a hustler's mentality. There's, there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's applied the right way. Because at the end of the day, fast money is bad money. So we need right, to teach our right. kids – so we need to teach our kids how to implement a plan to get around people who are successful, get around black businesses that I, I don't care – if you only know one person on a black business, okay, that's one more than what the average person, average person knows. My, like you said, my mechanic right here in Orlando is black, and I trust him with my car. And if he tell me, and, I'm, and, I, and anytime I run into a problem, the first thing I say, well, do you know anybody who can do this? Do you know anybody? Because one black business shall know another black business, word of mouth. Right. So I'm not going right. to go on Google. Well, I'm going to Google something. I'm going to go by word right. of mouth and see if I can find out Who's out there who's best for my job? Then if we can't right. agree upon a price, if I don't feel comfortable, at least I gave him an opp- him or she an opportunity. That's the thing we've got to right. do. We've got to give each other an opportunity first because every black business probably won't be for me. But how will I know that if I don't go out there and search for my uh, my black business owners? That's all i got to say. And that's, that's what's so important. you know. And another thing, uh, Mr. Higgins, I want you to speak on this. Every time you turn around or you look at um, 
the television about these uh, newscasters uh, who go after businesses who are taking advantage of customers. I mean, why would you think that white businesses don't scam people? I mean, everywhere you look, you right. see roofers, uh, you see air-conditioned people, you see all kind of different white businesses scamming the general community through the news. So why would you suggest that that uh, that somehow or another African Americans uh, are let, uh, more likely to do the same thing that we catch white businesses doing all the time? It's perception, as you know. You know, the the small white businesses gets to to um to benefit from the perception that you know if we go into another group of people that um you know we're going to get better service or a better deal. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, it's like even in our community, it's not right until white people do it too. Or, you know, it's all mm-hmm. it's all about how we look at ourselves and look at our structure in society. And, you know, our lack of patronizing our businesses goes to, to contribute exactly to how we look at ourselves in society. So, we you know, we look at ourselves with a poor mentality and so that's how we treat each other. And you know we have to we have to first start um targeting that and, and and dealing with that because at the end of the day if we don't support each other we don't support each other economically in terms about you know exchange for goods for services then you know that that's the that's the foundation of of any community then you know that we're always going to be stay for the loss if we don't make sure that our kids our children are educated we're not educated enough to make sure that our children are going to get education. That we'll never get out of these conditions, and these are the things that you know we have to be focused on as a community if we want to ameliorate the situation. Yeah, it is. It it, it makes no sense to me for us to be thinking the same way. Cassie, uh, how do you uh, perceive uh, the West Coast being in terms of uh, uh, minority businesses being able to uh, profit? Under the condition, the present condition. Are you there, Kathy? Yeah, I'm here. Good afternoon, everybody. I mean, you know, the the businesses over on this this side is um, they're struggling a little bit, but it's uh, like someone said, you know, uh, you got it's a here he say. I mean, hearsay. I mean, he say, she say. Now he say, she say. But you know, it's a word of mouth where you got to tell somebody else, or you got to ask. You know, hey, do you know anybody um, that specializes in this? That's an African American. You know, they used to have in in the window saying uh, black owned, but they started to take those um, those signs out. So that was one way that we would recognize uh, the different businesses. And I just went um, <laughs> the other day over to Smart and Find them because it was supposed to be a black-owned business. We were going to do uh, some business with them. But the lady told me, one of the managers told me that it, it's not black-owned. It's, it's owned by corporate. And I was like, are you sure? Because uh, about a couple of months ago we were told that the owner is black and he bought this particular facility and he was going getting into it with um, Superior because Superior didn't want 
him to buy, purchase more and final because of the competition, and plus he was black. But she said, yeah. So I, I didn't get back in contact with them because we're trying to do something with uh, the black on business. With, with our organization uh, this month coming up, you know, just to show our support and to bring in more people to, so that they will know that that grocery outlet is Black-owned so that the people can continue to go into that place. But it's a word of mouth, and if you don't say something, then the people won't know who is who. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you mm-hmm. that I would be real honest about um my efforts, if I if I knew there was a black-owned grocery store, a uh, large grocery store, and you know, I love my my um, groceries being delivered, uh, but if if there was a store where it was a black-owned store that could give me the same benefit in terms of uh, product, I'd love to support that store, whether or not they had delivery or not. Um, Andre, what are your thoughts related to? Uh, the importance of us uh, selecting where our money goes and uh, at least trying uh, to find a direct line to someone who can give us the same services that we need who happen to be people of color. Well, Superior Sunday to everyone, and uh, what a wonderful topic. I tell you, yesterday I had the opportunity to uh, attend the Zora Neale Hurston uh, Festival in Orlando. And it just was a sense of pride to not only see the uh, business uh, men and women being of color and just the heritage and the talent that was there and the history and the sharing. And it was just a wonderful thing. And uh, I made an extra effort uh, before I went. I I knew I wanted to make sure that I supported them, so I, I had a couple of hundred dollars in cash that I knew I would want to do, and, and I took my credit card because I knew I would. And that's not something that I do all the time, but it was very important mm-hmm. to me to make sure mm-hmm. that I supported them because sometimes, you know, we talk about if we get the same quality uh, of a service that we're getting that. Sometimes we have to pay a little more just to help our brothers and sisters out for a minute because the others have gotten into the market and been so long and they can buy in bigger bulk. But it's okay because, you know, sometimes beyond the the money, uh, what we're reaping and what we're gaining in our community is priceless. So uh, sometimes I'm I'm willing to pay that little extra if it if it indeed means that I'm helping um uh, uh african american or black heritage continue to to thrive and to give back and um i know i i heard the comments from the different ones about people looking out to you know find something wrong and and have a justification if you would as not to support them uh but you know um shame on them uh and like i said we experience different things with different people but why don't take that? Why don't you take that extra effort to talk to that brother and sister and and let them know how you feel and just surely just say you know I want to support you but this is how it came across and it may have been just a misunderstanding too. So thank you for uh, yeah. this topic and uh, I'm just so proud of those who have the spirit to become uh, business owners 
and it's so important that we support them and strengthen them. And whoever it said, whoever it was that said that, you know, we're we're losing ground with our children, and I always try to bring that to the forefront because that is our heritage. That's going to be our legacy. Because even looking at the uh, festival on yesterday, it was some children there, but it wasn't as many as I would have liked. And it's just a church. If you don't see young people in a church, that church is not going to grow. Uh, you know, long term. So let us let us uh, ensure that our children understand the value of um of our black businesses. Amen. And um, uh, Terrence, you know it it is something we need to really focus on. I don't care if, if my money helps my brother to thrive and him to have a good standard of living then that's what I want. I don't, you know, we think about the billions, think about the billions of dollars being lost to um, uh, to these corporate entities uh, that are uh, being getting rich off of our money. So, I mean, why are we so willing to give it to them and not willing to give it to to others? Oh, that's me, Mr. Deshae. Hello? Yeah, that's you, yeah. Terrence. Yeah, that's you, Terrence. Well, I just say that I just want, I, I, I mean, it, it, it used to be like that. I don't know what happened, but I think we got to get back to how it used to be and just support all our black businesses, you know? It's sad how it just, it fluctuated and, you know, and things went down like that, but you know, it just happened. Hello? Hello? I can hear you. I don't know if James can hear you, but I can hear you. Oh, <laughs> Well, um, well, like I said, much of um, the opposition and and what's going on is that the um, it's our education, you know what I mean, and um, and what happens, and what happens is that um, you know, if we you know we educate, education is a powerful word that we take lightly, and if we really truly understand that word, we you know what I'm saying. We won't even leave that to someone else. You know, we talk about cutting our hair and goods and services, but the minds of our children is our most important resource. And, you know, it is a, it's a indicative that we have to start being more informative of which direction our community is going in. And our local and our local institutions like hospitals in my community in Harlem, um, it used to be a time where the local hospitals were full of people from the neighborhood. It's no longer like that. So even even in um, the most vital resources in terms of our, so a community could be fluid, our communities are being stagnant. We're not being able to provide the people from the community that could actually come perform the jobs. And this is also based on a lack of education. So we have to, um, we, we definitely have to go back to education as a source because in regards to even our children having the time to practice, to become entrepreneurs, to create things, to start like manufacturing, to even believe in themselves, 
that that's the right most vital time to do it to exercise it. Yeah, you're right. And as we approach Black History Month, I'm sure a lot of black um, movies have come up. And and I think about Rosewood. You know, when we see black communities and how strong those black commun- communities were, um, united mm-hmm. in in different areas. And you know, even now, you know, um, it amazes me. Sometimes you could be in the same zip code, but mm-hmm. different uh, neighborhoods may be a little different. But I tell you what, um, the black community and the black neighborhood are, are just so powerful, and, and we can do so much more if we, again, like you said, invest in our children, take pride in who we are and what we have accomplished. And, you know, it's a reason that people fear us and 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 I say fear because of the fact that I think part of the reason why they're always trying to put blacks down, even when you don't know them, is because a lot of times people respond like that when they're uh, unsure or don't have a good understanding. And to me, that's a form of fear. And uh, it's because uh-huh. we have survived. We have been pushed up against the wall in so many ways and so many times, and, and yet we rise. And that is because a mm-hmm. lot of times of our uh, us uh, depending on each other, us, you know, walking and being unified. So you're exactly mm-hmm. right. It's so that we have to continue to invest in our children because our parents and forefathers invested in us, and it is now mm-hmm. our responsibility to do just that. Yes, yes indeed. Yes, indeed. Those are um, kings in the making, our kings and queens in the making. Mm-hmm. And our scientists, our chemists, our engineers, everything that we need it comes from them. And what we see is is a lack of investment in them and too much of self indulgence. And what happens is that is that, you know, they're repeating the behavior, you know, and you know, is it's becoming even more extreme and the and the lack and the lack of self control is at at an all time high. So with the lack of ability to exercise control, self-control, you know, they won't be able to focus on anything else, especially at this stage of their age, you know, where they're growing, their brains are developing, their bodies are developing. And, you know, we have to realize that about our young people, and we have to realize that being that, you know, they're going through those stages, that we have to be even more in tune with their wants and needs so they can be prepared at these later stages in life. You know, and we have to get beyond. I know I've heard a number of you talk about that crab in the bucket mentality, but we have to get beyond that. We we have to recognize that the richer we make individuals in our community, the better it is for our community. You can't keep going oh. to uh, other races of people and asking them for them to share their wealth with you. You have to create wealth in the black community. And they be willing to share that wealth with you, and, and that's how things go. Uh, we can't. We have to stop suggesting that somehow or another uh, that life will be better for us if we make other people rich. We have to make ourselves rich. Uh, see, what, uh-huh. what is your thought about that? Well, uh, I think, um, like somebody said earlier uh, in the initial comments of your show was uh, there's an issue of trust. Um, it seems mm-hmm. as though uh, the pattern has been 
uh, once we see, and I'm saying we as a generalization, uh, once we see somebody in our community seem to do well and thrive, um, that uh, the 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 attitude of jealousy or uh, something seems to kick in, and I think that has always been the case when it comes down to people of color. Uh, there's there's mm-hmm. this stigma, there's this stigma that's built into our culture that has a uh, a tendency to raise this ugly head as soon as somebody seems to be in a better position that we're in. Um, we somewhere somewhere along the line um, don't have the mentality, I suppose, to uh, to encourage that person. Um, and I, and so uh, you know, going forward, like Miss Audrey, I love when Miss Audrey comes on because he's so optimistic about uh, most everything, and I love that. And I, and I think that's that's one of the attributes that's missing in our culture. It is the uh, attribute of, of being able to encourage one another and to be happy uh-huh. with one another. And I think that's the basic attitude that we have to reinvent in our society. Uh, Ms. Audrey spoke of how um, we uh, have come a long way, but somewhere along the way uh, we kind of uh, became short-sighted of what it, where it is that we're supposed to be doing. And like she mentioned, you know, if the young people ain't in the church, then the church ain't gonna, is not going to make it. And I think that's the same way that we have to do about the mentality, the new mentality of optimism that we're trying to stir up within within our community. Thank you, uh, Cheryl. What what? How do we get from where we've been uh, to the point where we are able uh, to use some of the same uh, attributes? that other races of people have used uh, to accumulate the wealth that they deserve. You know, I know I've heard you talk about how uh, families help each other get their own businesses and how families live together until everybody gets their own house. Why is not that something we can can use or use that kind of, of trait to do those same things in our community? Well, I think one of the first things that we have to do is to change our mindset for those who think otherwise. Then those who have never even thought about it, you know, share it with them. But the biggest thing is is act upon it. You know, not just talk mm-hmm. about we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Act upon, upon it. Yeah. You know, start doing that, you know, exactly what you're saying. Start supporting, you know. And it's going to take some effort at first because, you know, you may have to look up where these businesses are at in your area. But um, once you do that, then start utilizing them. Don't just look them up. Utilize them. And really, it may cost a few pennies more, but I'm going to tell you, I've been doing it, and I feel within myself very satisfied because, you know, I would want people to do the same as boys with me, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's nothing like 
somebody you know that is getting a service from somebody else of a different race and just overlooked me, you know, altogether. So Um, our mindset, and then we got to put action behind it. Yeah, it, it is. It is so difficult for me, uh, being where I am in terms of the fact that my father owned a black construction company, and uh, a lot of times he had more white clients than he had uh, black clients. And so you, you know, with the kind of money uh, that we have um, know that we have, you know, um, I think. Um, Nate and uh, uh, Dee have all of us talked about how large the economy is related to the kind of money that African Americans have. So the truth is is that black businesses could thrive and survive only on the money that black businesses have if they could count on the black and, and people of color support. So Mr. Higgins we don't have to go um, uh, to white uh, banks with our hat in hand if we could count on the uh, black community supporting us. Exactly. Exactly. And um, it goes to um, one thing that supports that is uh, um, another quote from Carter G. Woodson, and it says, the business among Negroes, too, continues individualistic in spite of the advice to the contrary. The founders did not take kindly to cooperative plan, and such business education as we now give the youth does not make their suggestions to this effect convincing. If the founder happens to be unusually successful, too, the business may grow, outgrow his knowledge and become too unwieldy in his hands and may go to pieces by errors of judgment or because of his mismanagement, and may go into the hands of whites who are usually called in at the last hour to do what they call refinancing, but what really means that means the actual taking over of the business of the Negroes. The Negroes then finally withdraw their patronage because they realize that it is no longer an enterprise of the race and the chapter is closed. All of the failures of the Negroes, Negro business however, are not due to the troubles from without. Often the Negro businessman lacks common sense. The Negro in business, for example, too easily becomes a social lion. He sometimes plunges into leadership in local matters. He becomes popular in restricted circles, and men of less magnetism grow jealous of his inroads. He learns how richer men of other races waste money. He builds a finer home than anybody else in the community, and in his social program, he does not provide for much contact with the very people upon which he must depend for patronage. He has the finest car, the most expensive dress, the best summer home, and so far outdistances competitors in society that they often set work in childlike fashion to bring him down to their level. And these, well, these you know, we just have... Nate, it is just important for us to, to show and, and create an environment for our children to survive. I mean, when we create an environment for the community to be economically strong, then we create an environment for our children 
to be economically strong. Exactly. And and this is that, that's another thing it says the Negro church, however, however, although not a shadow of what it ought to be, it is a great asset of the race. It is a part of the capital that the race must invest in to make its future. The Negro church has taken the lead in education in the schools of race. It has supplied a forum from the thought of the highly educated Negro. It has originated a large portion of the businesses controlled by Negroes, and in many cases it has made it possible for Negro professional men to exist. So, you know, and it's one of the places in our, in our community where we all congregate, whether, whether um, depending on how our level, our level of religion or how we have participation in it, and the fact that, you know, we have to invest into our children is the most, and the most important thing necessary because we're only here a short period of time and I, we're leaving this planet to our children. And that's what other groups of people are, are, are advocating for because they're realizing that they're not immortal and they're going to leave this planet to their children and they have to leave this planet to their children in a certain, certain form of shape. Alright, we're going to take another short break and we're going to come back and give everybody an opportunity to uh, have their last word. It is so important that we try to figure out a method. We're making too much money uh, right now, and not to circulate that money in the black community, first and foremost, is a mistake. We'll be right back. Jesus, oh Jesus. 
to hire somebody when there's some young boy there in his community that needs an opportunity. So we have to help our businesses help us to help our children. I know I used to work for my grandfather when he had a vegetable stand, and I could go to him and get a job and make a little bit of money on the side. And so it is um, our neighbors who are going to be willing to to hire our children. Um, Ms. Higgins, what what is your final thought this evening? Well, my final thought is that I just want everybody to think about how we can make our the dollars that we generate in the black community continue to circulate in the black community. That's the most important thing we need to do is that's what we are going to stay here and to do is make sure that we patronize people that look like us. And then we use this as, you know, we use this as a focal point in our endeavors and try to encourage this in our young people, try to encourage them, you know, to patronize each other. And to, and to create businesses and to create life manufacturing businesses in our community, the service that we need, because ultimately these businesses provide services that we need so that we can continue to make more money. So ultimately we need to um, patronize these businesses so we have accessibility to, accessible to them so that we continue to make our lives more comfortable. So that's just, just that's my final thought. All right. You know, it, it is sad that we're in, tw- we're in 2018, and still dealing with some of the issues uh, that we've known about for decades. And at some point in time, we got to be prepared and ready to turn things around. We can't continue to look at other races of people to help us uh, out of the bind that we find ourselves in in some of the major cities uh, and uh, communities across the country. This is James T. Deshay, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflections, Brought to you by Never Had It So Good. We're here seven days a week, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We're here so that your voice can be heard loud and clear without interruptions. It's time for us to move in a direction that we help ourselves and not look for others to help us. We can do it. We just have to try. Take care, everybody, and I'll see you tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Hello. I'm the music major. This is my man, Jay Andre. He got a question to ask Talk to him, Jay. Is there anybody in love?
live. Woo! 